Don't call it a comeback. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box bitch-ass white boy, Tyler Bischoff. It was reported that the Cleveland Indians have decided to remove the term Indian from their name. And Adam Candy. Yet we're cool calling the only black people in Utah the Jazz. On ESPN Las Vegas. Ed Grady is going to be out at Raiders training camp today. We're going to talk to him at some point. I think he's just going to be in a parking lot because he's got to get COVID tested first, so... We'll get an update on probably absolutely nothing from Ed later in the show, which means Adam Candy's in today. Adam, how are you? That is maybe the worst introduction I've ever received. Like, why? why? We like this guy's gone in a parking lot, so we've got Adam Candy. Yeah, what, what'd you want? He's going to be sitting in a parking lot waiting to get COVID tested. You might find out all sorts of exciting things like which media have arrived to get COVID tested and what kind of car does John Gruden drive? Who knows? They're all sorts of fun things. Which media member fell out of their car while trying to, you know, make it through a wet parking lot? I mean, I I like that. The last time, normally when we go to Ed live at anything, he just tells us somebody is big. So he doesn't have a very high bar to clear whether or not he's watching an actual football team or not. But here we go. The first bite. Do the Golden Knights have to trade a goalie now? So the report from yesterday was that the Golden Knights and Alec Martinez are expected to agree on an extension that would be a three-year deal around about $5 million per season, according to Frank Severali. That has not been made official yet, uh, so the timing of this could be interesting if they wait and sign Alec Martinez. Uh, but... If they were to sign him today, that would put the Golden Knights over the salary cap. You're allowed to be over the salary cap in the offseason, but only by 10% of the cap. So this would, while not completely prevent them from making moves, it would prevent them from making a big move, like if they were to go after Jack Eichel. Um, Technically, they could have gotten away without trading a goalie, but now that they're bringing back Martinez, do, do you think that is guaranteeing the end of at least one of these goaltenders' time in Vegas, Adam? Well, you're guaranteeing one of two things, Tyler. You are either trading Marc-Andre Fleury or Robin Lanner, or you are somehow breaking up the misfit line, right? Because it's, it's if you look at straight cap moves that would open up $5 million-ish of space, then you're looking at either the seven for Fleury, the five for Lanner, or then all of your second line forwards all make five-ish million dollars so could you do it with a combination of other guys somehow yeah but the golden knights are very very top heavy uh when it comes to breaking down this uh this group of contracts so i don't see how else it gets done yeah it's it's interesting because if the golden knights don't move on from a goalie with the re-signing of alec martinez the roster is going to be worse than it was last year because, like you said, if they don't move on from a goalie, they're going to have to get rid of, say, Riley Smith or something like that. And they don't get rid of Riley Smith and replace him with somebody else. They just have to get rid of Riley Smith. So if they don't move on from a goalie, the other part of the roster, the skating part of the roster, is going to be worse. And I don't think we've seen... have We have not seen a George McPhee team here in Vegas 
get worse in the offseason, even though that appears to be what's going to happen here. Like this team is more than likely going to have less talent than it did last year unless they move a goalie. And if they move a goal, I mean, they'll still have less talent if they move a goalie, but it's less important because it's the backup goalie position you're moving. But that's sort of where you come back to this. If this team is trying to win a Stanley Cup, it was the same last offseason and it's the same now. The most logical thing to do is to move on from one of these goalies. But for some reason, like I'm still not convinced they are. Tyler, with what you've watched this team do over the course of multiple off seasons, let me ask you a simple question. When has it hurt? When has it really been something where you look and say, oof, this one is going to be something that they really have to wear uh, come the season? Because the, the trade of Nate Schmidt last offseason to make Alex Petrangelo fit in was as close as it gets, and that still came with getting Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. So this team does not do things that hurt, or at least they haven't had to up until this point. But when you have Mark Stone at nine and a half million, Alex Petrangelo at the better part of eight million, Max Patch already for two more seasons at seven million, um, you know, Carlson at six, Marcia So and Smith at five apiece, and of course the two goalies, as we mentioned. Well, what other choice is there? Because you can't piece it together by trading the Colin Millers of the world anymore. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Should they have let Alec Martinez walk? At 34 years old for $3 million a season, that's hard to swallow with this roster. I mean, Alec Martinez was the oldest skater on this roster before signing this contract. So I get that he has been outstanding for them. He has been their best defensive defenseman since arriving from the Kings via trade uh, the better part of a couple of years ago at this point. So, yeah. I mean, you you love to have that guy around. That being said, um, you know, this is the sort of thing that you look into the trades that have been made and say, would this have been the time that an Eric Brandstrom comes up and takes that spot? Yeah, more than likely. But, you know, you don't have that luxury anymore. So what could the Golden Knights do? I, I don't know, because I think if you don't re-sign Alec Martinez, then you're sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul with this roster because why did you have to acquire Alec Martinez? Well, because you're short on the blue line. We said for the better part of two years that this team was short in terms of defensemen. Well, you know, you have a guy who you know works in your system. You know your championship window is open for at least another year or two here. So, yeah, it makes sense that you re-sign him, but now the question is what hurts? What hurts in return? Something has to. I, well, I think on the Martinez side, the part of it that's a bit of a worry for me is if they get the same Alec Martinez from last year for the next three years, then the, the, the contract, the extension is perfectly fine. He, what he did last year is absolutely worth roughly $5 million a year. There's no doubt about that. The problem is, is he had a career year last year. His points per game was the highest it has ever been, and he just turned 34 years old yesterday. Like the idea that, hey, the guy that's 34 is going to have another career year is pretty unrealistic. So if they get, like, they're paying Alec Martinez for what he did last year. They're not paying Alec Martinez for what he's likely to do in the next three years. So if there's any drop-off from him at all, yeah, they needed him when they traded for him. They needed him the last year and a half. But if there's any drop-off at all, like, you're telling me Zach Whitecloud couldn't do what Alec Martinez when he drops off does? Like, because that's where I look at it and say, hey, the Golden Knights should have trusted Alec, or excuse me, Zach Whitecloud instead of an aging Alec Martinez when you throw in the fact of what they cost and where they are against the salary cap. Well, I still think they are trusting Zach Whitecloud, though, Tyler, aren't they? Because Zach Whitecloud is clearly one of the top six defensemen on this team. Uh, look, you're looking at the fact that now, with this contract, 
Petrangelo, Theodore, McNabb, Martinez are going to take up more than a quarter of your cap. And you have to have those defensemen in order to make a run. We've seen what this team looked like when they were short on the blue line. And I get that you're paying for past performance. And that's the big difference that you could say for the last two off seasons for the Golden Knights. In the past, with the extensions that they signed for guys who were brought over, it's mostly for younger players, right? It's mostly for guys in their mid to late-ish 20s, as opposed to Alex Petrangelo, who you're now going to be paying into his late 30s, as opposed to Alec Martinez, who was already in his mid-30s. So you don't need to necessarily get, I think, the offensive performance out of Alec Martinez at the point per game that you, know, that you mentioned. I do think you need to at least continue to get the defensive performance out of Alec Martinez, the guy who led the league in block shots, who fits this system well. So the other report from yesterday was from Elliot Friedman that there were rumblings that Vegas had a move for someone fall through, and Friedman said he thought it might be Robin Leonard to New Jersey or Marc-Andre Fleury to Chicago. Um, how much do you want Malcolm Subban to be coming back in that trade with Flurry to Chicago? Well, the thing is, I, I heard that the NHL, as a means of shortening the games, is going to go directly to shootouts <laughs> after one period now. So if that's the case, absolutely, I want back uh, Malcolm Subban. Would, would way, Subban as a new- be the most valuable goalie in the league if they went to shootouts after a tied first period? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> that, that that would certainly uh, increase his value. And uh, by the way, as a New Jersey Devils fan, um, I'm not really sure what the Robin Leonard move does unless they were going to be attaching a pick to take the salary because Devils already have a cost-controlled young goaltender in uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. But yeah, from the Chicago perspective, um, yeah, uh, that, that certainly would be an interesting move for a team that sort of on the fringes of playoff contention this year and is getting a little bit older in the core. I'm not sure why you would uh, why you would take on $7 million of Marc-Andre Fleury, again, unless you were being paid in draft picks to do it. Yeah, and which if you're the Golden Knights right now, I mean, the whole conversation last year was when they were trying to trade Fleury is, uh, are you eating salary? Are you sending a pick? Are you doing both? Was probably the issue last season was most teams are saying, you're going to have to eat $2 million of Flurry salary and give us a, a pick, a second-round pick, whatever it would have been. You would like to think after Flurry wins the Vezina, it's not that bad. Honestly, you'd like to think you could trade him for an asset. And that's, and to go back to the whole conversation of will they or won't they actually trade a goalie and, and will it end up being, hey, they've got to move on from like Riley Smith or something, I think at the end of the day, that might be the issue for George McVie is if no team is willing to just give them, hey, Here's Flurry. You give us a second or third round pick. I I think McPhee has an aversion to like losing a trade in terms of hey we're gonna attach a pick to get rid of salary. Like I don't think he wants to do that, and I think he'd rather find another way. Even if it's like he did last year with Stasny and Schmidt selling them for cheap. If it's Riley Smith for a fifth round pick instead of Flurry and a second to Chicago, whoever it is, that's that's to go back to it. I think that's a way that they end up with two goalies, these two goalies back on the team next year. I'm just doing some math here, Tyler. Otherwise, I'm saying what you're looking at to get to that salary. Who else can you potentially trade? I mean, you're not going to move Chandler Stevenson, and he's only $2.75 million. Um, I don't think there's a market lining up for Ryan Reeves at uh, $1.75 just to start adding you know, little dollars and cents here and there to try to get there. You essentially, at this point, you already have Noshek and Yanmark as unrestricted free agents who... I don't see how they're going to fit back in 
and especially uh, with, I think, Noshek might actually command a little bit on the free agent market. So I don't see how it gets done otherwise. Yeah, I, Patch Reddy's the big salary out there. The problem with that is he's the one guy on the team you'd consider like a true goal scorer, and that seems to be the biggest need of the team at the moment. So, I mean, his salary's big. You could move on from him and conceivably replace him with a left winger that makes three or four million instead, and that could be a way you get under the salary cap. But I mean, the whole the whole small deal thing. Is, is it out of the realm of possibility that they would move on from, let's just say, Ryan Reeves, and then they would have opening night with less than a full roster like they did for many games this season? That's possible. And I think the other thing that you probably have to look at because of the fact that Braden McNabb will be an unrestricted free agent after next year, you said, could Zach Whitecloud take the Alec Martinez spot? I think what you might end up asking is, yeah. could Zach Whitecloud take the Braden McNabb spot? And then you piece it together the other couple of million dollars that you need, because what we have seen is that this team is willing to break up that sort of bottom three of the defensive core. And White Cloud replacing McNabb, like stylistically makes a lot of sense. Like that's sort of where you would put Zach White Cloud is what his career is going to be is, oh, he'll be Braden McNabb for the next 10 years. So, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. I, I do have one thing to say. The Golden Knights, this is like the greatest an expansion team could ever be for people in sports media. Because not only were they good from the start, they are fascinating every offseason and every trade deadline. And hell, during the season to the point where they're playing without a full roster. Like, it's phenomenal. It's unbelievable that every offseason is a legitimately interesting offseason for this franchise. Hey, anything that leads to playing the most important regular season game of the year with 15 <laughs> skaters, I am all for because we have plenty to talk about. It's so great. All right, coming up next, Aaron Rodgers has arrived at Lambeau Field. I mentioned, obviously, the Super Bowl and three MVPs, but, you know, Aaron's, you know, I mean, he's played a lot through a lot of things, a lot of injuries, and has really developed into a, a great leader as well. Aaron Rodgers is at Lambeau Field this morning. He is back for the Packers. Reports yesterday from ESPN were that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers had uh, talked about restructuring his deal. Apparently, the 2023 year on his contract is going to be voided, uh, and the Packers are going to agree to review the situation at the end of this season. And in return, Aaron Rodgers is going to show up and play. Uh, so you're looking at Aaron Rodgers playing for the Packers. You're looking at Aaron Rodgers uh, potentially having another MVP season and being under contract for yet another season in 2022 in Green Bay. Adam, is all of this simply a, hey, 2020 after this season before 2022, you're going to get Aaron Rodgers getting traded? I mean, why else would any of this be happening at this point, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't just change how he feels about the Green Bay franchise or GM Brian Gutekunst or anything else about what's happened since the drafting of Jordan Love. None of it changed. He obviously has guarantees that, you know, they can't say out loud at this point. Uh, Aaron Rodgers feels like he's gotten enough to come back and, shall we say, what put up with being one of the highest paid professional athletes in sports. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I mean, there there are clearly uh, some sort of concessions that have been made that go beyond Randall Cobb. 
Oh, yes. That was my favorite yesterday. What was that? Trey Wingo said that he wants Randall Cobb back from the Texans. Like, is are those, So one of the things was mechanisms will be put in place to address Rodgers' issues with the team. Like, is this simply Aaron Rodgers gets to, like, sign or trade for one wide receiver a year from here on out? Yeah. Yeah, certainly uh, <laughs> cer- certainly could be from here on out being till the end of this year because that's about it. Yeah. And so, okay, you're looking at the Green Bay Packers, and at the end of the day, um, they're getting Aaron Rodgers back. They're going to be one of the best teams in terms of Super Bowl odds. They're going to be one of the teams, one of the favorites that can actually win the Super Bowl this year. And at the end of the day, they are likely going to get to trade Aaron Rodgers for something of actual value next offseason. At least that would be my guess. That would be the Packers hope at this point is that if Aaron Rodgers is good, they'll they'll be able to trade him for something that's worthwhile as opposed to where they were two days ago when it was Aaron Rodgers isn't there and he might not show up and who knows what you could actually do with him. But like, I, it's not really a, a win for the Packers. It's not really like a win to lose Aaron Rodgers, but I feel like this is, this is about as good as it could be given that Aaron Rodgers wasn't showing up for this team not too long ago. Like, I feel like this, like, okay, you get one more season with them. You get the, the this roster is all in to win now. And they get one more season with Aaron Rodgers and one more season to potentially win a title. And then after that, they'll go to Jordan Love and they'll conceivably get back picks. Isn't that? Yeah. And if Mike Pettin is not the defensive coordinator anymore, then you've taken a huge step because this team should have been in the Super Bowl last year (laughs) anyway, and it had nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. Well, they did get three picks in the second half on Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. And Scotty Miller is still running somewhere in Wisconsin right now on the touchdown (laughs) at the end of the first half. The other confusing part about yesterday with the Packers was the report from Adam Schefter that Devontae Adams is now open to re-signing with the Green Bay Packers. And that was very confusing for me because Devontae Adams is... Oh, I think Adam's phone is ringing right next to his mic. But with Devontae Adams... I mean, he warned us that this might happen. (laughs) But with Devontae Adams, you're looking at a wide receiver who is gone or would have been gone. And if it has anything to do with Aaron Rodgers, I don't quite understand why Devontae Adams would be open to re-signing an extension now. Because all of this story is about is one more season with the Packers for Aaron Rodgers. So why the hell would Devontae Adams be open to signing an extension? That makes zero sense to me whatsoever like none at all because if you're Devontae Adams and your goal is to play with Aaron Rodgers you just got told okay you get one more year in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers maybe two right there's a there's a possibility that they Aaron Rodgers enjoys this next season and says yeah why wouldn't I come back but maybe two but after that like there's no third year in Green Bay so why would Devontae Adams sign an extension Uh, that that to me didn't make any sense unless it has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers which also wouldn't make any sense because everything this offseason has to do with Aaron Rodgers so I, I don't get the Devontae Adams report from yesterday. I think it's more likely he doesn't sign any extension and he's a free agent. Although, granted, they can franchise tag him and maybe that's the bigger issue for Devontae Adams. Maybe that's the bigger issue with that situation is that at the end of the day, the Packers... Here, here's the thing. No matter what, the Packers control Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. They have them under team control or they can have them under team control, not just this year, but in 2022 as well. So we're like we're not having some resolution next offseason. Like maybe the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have come to some sort of handshake agreement of okay, play one more season and then we'll trade you. But if they don't have that, 
what's going to be different about next offseason? Next offseason is going to be the exact same. Rodgers is going to be under contract if he's not happy with whatever the hell the Packers do this year, right? What What's that? And the other question is, what happens if the Packers win the Super Bowl? They could legitimately win the Super Bowl. Is Aaron Rodgers just leaving a team that wins the Super Bowl? Like, if they win the Super Bowl, is that it? Aaron Rodgers said, okay, you guys have, have made me so angry that even though we won the Super Bowl, I'm gone anyways. I guess. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. He just sort of went on vacation for the entire offseason and then showed up like nothing happened. But is that a legitimate possibility of, hey, they win the Super Bowl and then Aaron Rodgers just says, see ya. Like, trade me away. We had, a, we had an agreement. you got to trade me now. And they trade away some Super Bowl MVP and they get back like a third-round pick or something ridiculous like that. Because that's what it would end up being. Like, they're not going to – I I don't know. Would they get great value for him? I don't know. It's, a, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers, but he's older. And the, if, if the Packers have already agreed to trade him, they're not going to have a whole lot of leverage in terms of what they could get back for him. So maybe they don't get anything good for it. And it's, yeah, you traded a Super Bowl MVP for a third-round pick. It'd be ridiculous. Okay, so I just went through Irvin Magic Johnson's tweets, hoping that he would have some sort of statistical breakdown, and you know, in the way that only he can of Aaron Rodgers returning to training camp. Unfortunately, it looks like he's been riding jet skis for the last couple of days. So uh, he's on vacation. So yeah, we're gonna have to wait has, a couple of days for him to he, break down Aaron Rodgers returning to the Packers. Has he tweeted about Team USA basketball? He has. Ooh, okay. I'm excited. What the USA men's basketball team is missing is a guy who's won four NBA championships, making him a proven winner, the best leader in the game of basketball, and someone who makes his teammates better, a.k.a. LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that is actually more in-depth analysis than he normally gives. Just uh, the, the team USA would be better with LeBron James. Well, normally he just tweets the box score. Normally oh, yeah. it's just so-and-so lost today and so-and-so won, and this guy had a great game because he scored 40 points. That's the normal Magic Johnson tweet. It's not, it's not even instant. Like, the dude's one of the greatest players of all time. He doesn't even give, like, insight on what the guy did well. It's just, oh, he had 40 points. Great performance. It's like, yeah, we know, Magic. I just, all I wanted was there to be a tweet that just said, I think the Packers are really going to do well now that they've got Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers back. You know, if if Magic Johnson, he's good at Twitter because he's bad at Twitter. If he was actually good at Twitter, he would have sent out a tweet like that that's like, you know, four-time champion, blah, 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 and it ended with like Patrick McCall, or I know he's only got three, but it ended just with some random play. Like, JaVale McGee has three. Like, how come he doesn't have the proven winner doesn't leadership? Doesn't Robert Ori have six? Yeah, well, he's old. I'm just saying, like, just random role <laughs> You need players, a proven winner. I guess. He could he could be the coach over Popovich at this point, I assume. So, yeah, I, I, if he had ended that tweet with something funnier, like JaVale McGee or Patrick McCarr, or like, how many did they, how many did J.R. Smith get? Did J.R. Smith get just one? That's disappointing if J.R. Smith only got the yeah, one. I think Granted, it one. was, I'm sure J.R. Smith celebrated the one like anybody would have celebrated six. So threw some soup in the air yeah. and just went crazy. Would have been great. All right, coming up next, Justin Emerson joins us from the Sun. Thank you, Vale. Uh, welcome aboard. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. Is your is your mom still with us? My mom alive? Yeah, she's still alive. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't. That's, that's a weird question to ask somebody. But keep okay, going. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Justin Emerson. Are you glad that wasn't your question to Mark Stone, Justin? 
Yeah, didn't love the kind of that right into my lead up with the implication maybe being that I had asked that question. So yeah, I've never asked if anybody's if anybody's mom was alive. So not yet. True, you know, you never know what'll happen. I just, guess. You just wait until you ask that question. How many times we'll play it on this show? Yeah, yeah, okay. If I do, that that seems like a fair thing for you guys to do. Okay, before we get into any hockey, uh, we have committed to every time we talk to Justin Emerson to get a breakdown on his uh, building skills. Have you oh, built geez. anything recently? Um, built a crib last weekend. Uh, my first kid's due in October. I didn't build it from scratch, though. I, it, was a, it was a gift. Got it out of the box, so just kind of putting the pieces together. So, um, yes, in, to answer your question literally, but no, to answer kind of the spirit of your question. The spirit of my – I'm glad you appreciate the spirit, the spirit of my of question, question. And, and you spirit. building things from scratch. So, uh, okay, was it a difficult crib to put together? Um, no, I put one of the pieces on backwards at once. I had to, to kind of take it off and put it back. So, you know, I guess it's not really something until you have to build it twice. Yeah, so here's my... I have another question for you uh, when it comes to something being due in October. What will arrive first, your child or your first pumpkin spice latte of the season? Come on. Come on. It's a pumpkin spice latte. What are you talking about? Uh, we looked it up. Uh, there's reports that the pumpkin spice day is October... or Not October. August 24th at Starbucks. So that is... In less than a month? Fall. In less than yeah. a month? It's going to yeah, be 106 yeah. degrees on August, August 24th. Well, you know, I think that's like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. So if you want to just book me for the show now, I'll have a pumpkin spice latte in hand. Jared, and, put, uh, put it in the and we can talk about it then. Put it in the rundown. Ed'll be Ed'll be more than happy to talk about it. Hopefully, Ed's actually here that day. All right, on the Golden Knights, do you think they have to trade a goaltender now? Uh, not have to, but I don't know. Maybe should. Um, you know, this Alex Martinez deal is going to come in. It's kind of weird that it hasn't already. It got reported uh, yesterday morning, and there's still no kind of official announcement from the team. I imagine we get that today before free agency opens tomorrow. But depending on what that number is, the Golden Knights can put together a cap-compliant team next year with 12 forwards, six defensemen, and two goalies, as it is right now after Martinez signs. So in theory, you're good. But obviously, you want to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room so you don't have to play with 15 skaters for your most important regular season <laughs> game of the year. Um, so I imagine we'll see some sort of move. Nolan Patrick still hasn't signed after the Golden Knights uh, traded for him two weeks ago, so that'll put him over the cap. They're going to need to make some sort of cap room. The goalie's the obvious choice to go, but you there there are other options on the roster if you wanted to. If you're committed to the two goalies set up again, you, you could make it work. Does it feel like, from what you hear within the organization, or at least what you heard last year as we were going along, that Logan Thompson is viewed as a guy who could be a serviceable number two goaltender for this team, or would they have to go out and find some sort of veteran at a much lower salary if they do move one of the two goalies? I think they will get a veteran just because the if, if you were to trade either Leonard or Flurry. Uh, Thompson's the number two in the organization, and the number three is, uh, I don't know. So you're going to want somebody there. So they'll probably get somebody who, who they could pass through waivers and send to the AHL and kind of give Thompson that try, but also maybe depend on that veteran. So I think that if they were to trade one of their goalies, they would get a, uh, get a veteran goalie, but I think Thompson would get, would get a fair crack at that backup job because of just how good he was in the American Hockey League last year.
So we fully expect the Pacific Division to be terrible. We fully expect the Golden Knights to run away with this division and win it by 10 plus points, maybe even more than that. And with that in mind, when you're putting together, get together a roster, you can probably win this division. If Logan Thompson even has to play 40 plus games a year, if you traded one of the goalies and somebody got hurt, you can still probably win this division. Do you believe the Golden Knights would actually look at it that way? Do you think they would say, hey, we can take advantage of this being a bad division and give a goalie like Logan Thompson a lot of games, even if he's not good, because we should still win this by 15 points? You know, they might. um, Because, you know, last year at the end of the year, they had to play short. And uh, with with, uh, the amount of skaters, obviously under 18, um, and, and they still managed to win the most games in the league. They tied for points. Uh, they beat Colorado in the playoffs, so clearly their kind of cap machinations last year didn't affect the team all that much. So to kind of extrapolate that out, if you look at it, if you've got the goalie, if you're that good when you didn't even have 18 skaters on the ice, you know, maybe if you trade, let's just say you trade Flurry and Leonard starts 50 games and you're playing Logan Thompson for 20 and maybe some veteran backup for, for the other 12 or whatever the number comes out to be, you're probably still winning this division because I don't, I don't know who's finishing second in this division. I don't know who's finishing third. Um, and you're probably in pretty good shape to the point that you could get by without without a great goaltender for for the for the amount of games that a backup would play. Obviously, you wouldn't want Logan Thompson and some random veteran backup playing all your games. But you know whether it's Leonard or Flurry or whoever playing the majority of your games, you're probably in good shape. So. I don't know if the Golden Knights would look at it that way, but maybe that's something to consider because once the playoffs get here, having having two goaltenders doesn't, you know, barring an injury, doesn't help you as much as it does in the regular season. So we've very, you know, consistently, I would say, talked about that it would be a goaltender to go out because it makes the most sense when you talk about salary versus replacement level salary in terms of the drop-off. That being said, you can still look at this cap situation and say that, you could break up the misfit line because any of the guys on that line would equal the Alec Martinez salary that's expected to come in a little over $5 million in average annual value. But we also know that the Golden Knights don't like to make trades that hurt. So what do you think is more likely? Do you think it's more likely that a goaltender moves or do you think they would be willing to look at the forwards? I think that they're probably looking at a little bit of everything right now because I mean, the goaltending makes the most sense, right? Only one of them can be on the ice at a time. That's either five or seven million dollars that you're shipping out, which would be enough to go to go get another uh, another scoring threat, somebody that can help you up front. Um, but if you're dedicated to having those two goalies, like we said, there are options. Riley Smith's on an expiring deal; he makes five million dollars. He didn't have a great regular season last year, so if you can move him out, then suddenly Alex Tuck's your second line right wing, and then you've got a little bit of a little bit of money to play with. You could, you know, uh, Nick Holden is still on the team. Um, Ryan Reeves doesn't make too much money, but enough that it could give you some space. So there are there are options elsewhere. So I think that they would be looking at forwards. And I, if you're if you're going to move a forward, I think Riley Smith is the obvious one, just because William Carlson signed for six more years. He plays center. You don't really want to <laughs> hurt your center depth even more. And Jonathan Marsh, so I don't know how you're going to kind of replace that level of uh, what he brings to the team for for the $5 million salary he makes. So Riley Smith would be the guy if they decide to uh, keep the goalies that I would keep an eye on, maybe moving out to make some cap, cap room. Are you surprised the Golden Knights went up to $5 million or more with for Alec Martinez? Uh, no, I think that's about fair value, right? Like, I'm guessing that their offer was somewhere around $2 million. His agent asked for four, and then, well, there you go, $3 million or three years. 
about $5 million, maybe a little bit more we're hearing. Um, but that, that sounds about right for Martinez. He was underpaid on his last contract uh, last year with the way that he played. And, you know, you give him a bit of a raise off of last year. It's only three years, so even if he ages poorly, you've got a little bit of cap room to play with after this season for years two and three of that contract. So um, a bit of a risk considering his age and just the style that he plays, lead the league and blocks and all of that. But uh, um, he didn't miss a ga- He only missed one game when his foot wasn't broken at the end of the regular season. So he's, he's a guy that holds up well, and I, I think that, that that contract's a worthy risk for the Golden Knights. The interesting change it feels like, Justin, with the last couple of off-seasons is that the Golden Knights had been committed to a lot of younger or at least prime of their career players in their mid to late 20s. And now you give Petrangelo term that goes well into his late 30s and Alec Martinez was already the oldest skater on the roster for this team. So uh, what do you think, if anything, it says about where the Golden Knights are in terms of that championship window that you know they're committing to some older players now? Um, committing to older players, yes, but I still think that they do have that nice blend. I mean, they don't have, you know, that 19-year-old that's ready to jump into the lineup, but Peyton Krebs, for example, is 20. He's probably going to play a decent role on the team. Zach Whitecloud is 23, 24. Alex Tuck's still only 25. Even Mark Stone's 28 years old. So it's not like they're a team that's that, that old, because you'd mentioned Alec, Mar- Alec Martinez and Alex Petrangelo. Well, the other guy on the defense is Shea Theodore, who's 24, 25 years old. So, you know, they do have these older players, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about that because a lot of their course is, is, is still young, and they've got, you know, a couple of guys still coming up through the pipeline. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about, about the age of the Golden Knights. What Olympic event have you enjoyed the most? I'll tell you what, I got really hooked on synchronized diving the other day just because I'd never seen it before in my life, and it was the coolest thing to watch two people do the exact same dive right next to each other. That was great. Uh, Watching Katie Ledecky swim has been fun, uh, but swimming's kind of the one that everybody watches. Um, So, yeah, the kind of oddball one was synchronized diving. It was a lot of fun. That was cool. Do you know what you're watching during synchronized diving? So I didn't at the beginning but then after i watched about five or six dives i felt like an expert and then they like finished the dive and hit the water like one split second off from each other and i'm like wow what are they doing i feel like you should not be allowed to compete in this sport unless you are related to the person that you're doing this with because i feel like somebody, it would set up some unbelievable on, family dynamics said, i saw somebody on twitter say that you should have to be identical twins in order to do this sport and oh. i like that idea that's fun, right? It's like, you know, if you're really going to be synchronized, let's get synchronization, you know? I'm... And here's the best part. Like, nobody would know who screwed up. Like, you could just legitimately claim it was the other brother or sister who did it wrong. That That's right. That's right. One thing I did like is on the American team, one of them was from Nevada. And they kept saying Nevada and not saying, like, what city in Nevada. So I'm like, oh, it's got to be more than Nevada. And, yeah, sure enough, Carson City. I'm like, if they were from Las Vegas, they would have been Las Vegas. All right, well, he's Justin Emerson from Las or from the Las Vegas Sun, uh, not from the anything in Reno or Carson City. Thanks, Justin. We appreciate oh, it. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Uh, Adam, I do have a quick question for you. Do you like have a long lost regret that you weren't a twin that you could have like swapped places with and blamed your childhood shortcomings on? <laughs> you assume I had childhood shortcomings. <laughs> All right, coming up next. We will get into the trade deadline in Major League Baseball. 
We've seen uh, two relatively big trades. The Tampa Bay Rays traded for Nelson Cruz. The Padres traded for Adam Frazier. The trade deadline in Major League Baseball is on Friday. Oh, the Yankees traded for... Who's Clay Holmes? Is he any good, Adam? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) So the Yankees didn't make a significant trade. Um, But we had a report yesterday from John Morosi that at least seven teams are actively looking for starting pitching before the trade deadline, and it's basically any team that's in playoff contention. But it included the Yankees, and they did end up trading for a pitcher yesterday who is apparently not any good. But as a Yankees fan, should the Yankees be buying this this trade deadline? No. No, Yankees fans. If any of you out there are looking at this team and thinking that they are one or two or three players away, you are delusional. They're nine games out in the division. Nine. So anything you do at this point would be with the idea of can they improve this team enough to make up four games in the wild card for a coin flip game against the Rays that will likely be in Tampa or with the Red Sox will likely be in Boston uh, that they have very little chance of winning. No, this team absolutely should not be buying. Are they going to be buyers, though? Unfortunately, I think they might be. Um, I think they're going to go out there and find some sort of Starling Marte-esque Trevor Story kind of piece that convinces them that they have a better chance of winning than they did, but they don't. This team has fundamental problems in terms of how the roster is constructed. They have no reliable starting pitching beyond Garrett Cole. Their bullpen ERA is in the bottom three in the American League. They have run into the most outs on the bases of any team in Major League Baseball, and it's not all that close. There are problems that go all the way up and down this roster that mean the Yankees should not be one of the teams trying to buy at the deadline. I wish we had had you on after the lost no-hitter and then losing a four-run lead in the eighth game from two days ago. You think that was the worst I've watched recently? Are you kidding me? No, I watched them blow a two-run lead in the ninth, and then I watched something named Brooks Krisky throw four wild pitches in a single <laughs> inning to lose that game. I watched them give up a grand slam to lose a five-run lead in the ninth to the Angels and then give up three more runs. And then I watched uh, your buddy Jose Altuve cap off another five-run comeback that that game didn't even register with me on the Herman no hitter. <laughs> okay, off the Yankees. The big question for the trade deadline is what the Nationals are actually going to do because they are kind of like the Yankees, not really in a spot where they can make the playoffs or legitimately make a division run. Uh, and they've got some really good players, including Max Scherzer, who, if they do in fact trade him, would be the best starting pitcher to get traded at the deadline. It's it's weird in Washington. They they don't all, they didn't trade Bryce Harper a couple of years ago at the trade deadline. Like, do, do you think they actually hold on to Max Scherzer? It doesn't make any sense for them to. Uh, the only way that they hang on to Max Scherzer is if Scherzer himself decides to stay because he has a no trade clause. Uh, reports out this morning that if Scherzer is to be traded, he prefers to be traded to the West Coast. So if you're any of those teams out in the National League West, you probably are licking your chops at the idea of being able to acquire him. And, you know, there was the report saying seven teams interested in going out there and buying starting pitching. One of them is the Dodgers. And if the Dodgers are out there looking for starting pitching, a team that we were saying, huh, they went out and signed Trevor Bauer. Now they've got seven starting pitchers. Well, guess what? It isn't enough. We don't mention that name on this show. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Bever Trower um, apparently is not someone we can talk about, but 
then we also have Kershaw out and May hurt and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, when it comes to the Dodgers. So there, there are far more than seven teams that could use starting pitching. Yeah, that, that was the funny part about John Morosi's report is literally every season, any sing team that thinks it has a chance to make the playoffs is in the market for starting pitch. Like, because if you look at who wins in the playoffs, it's almost always who gets the best starting pitching in the playoffs. Like that's the best way. The easiest way to win is if you have the better starting pitching. So of course, everybody's in the market for starting pitching. So if Max Scherzer's out there, I would, for the sake of this show with, with Ed Graney as a Dodgers fan, I would love for Max Scherzer to get traded at the Padres. I would enjoy that very, very much if that happens sometime this week. Don't you think it would almost be better if he went to the Giants? Like, That's I feel true. like it would be better yeah. if he went to the Giants because not only are the Giants the traditional rival, but they're the team that wasn't supposed to be there, right? And the team that just took three or four against the uh, Dodgers and the rotting corpse of Kenley Jansen. Like, <laughs> you know, like I think that would be a lot of fun too because to get beaten by a team of Mike Yastrzemski's and Logan Webb's would certainly be hilarious for the highest payroll in baseball. The, the problem, though, is Ed cares so much more about the Padres. Like if you told him right now that the Padres would somehow blow it and not make the wild card round of the playoffs, but the Dodgers lost to the Giants in the playoffs, he'd be perfectly fine with that because it meant the Padres didn't make the playoffs. The most ridiculous part of this entire National League West setup is that these are the three best teams yeah. in the National League and one of them isn't going to the playoffs. <laughs> The three best teams, two of them are going to have to play each other in a one-game playoff, and then the winner gets to go play the other one in the actual five-round divisional series, which means the Brewers or the Mets are going to be in the NLCS, and the way baseball works, the Brewers or the Mets are going to end up in the World Series. Oh, without question. And look, right now, in terms of who's best equipped for a short series, it's the Brewers. Right, The Brewers right now can go through an entire five-game series starting no one but Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta, who are three of the best pitchers in the league. Yeah, and then, you know, bring in that Josh Hader guy for two innings in all three games, and they're good to go. Yeah, I, I you know, uh, they, they don't even need to hit the ball. They can win every game two to one. God, this will be perfect. <laughs> if anything for Bobby Baseball, Rob Manfred, would be perfect. It would be getting stuck with the Milwaukee Brewers Winning every game two to one. Well, it's baseball. So what else would happen? The Tampa Bay Rays got to the World Series last year. Oh, Randy Rice I still can't get over a Rosarina. You know what annoys me? Watching MLB TV and they show these damn throwback highlights. And it's like, Randy Rosarina hits his fourth home run of the ALCS. I don't need to see that anymore. I don't. We can get rid of Randy Rosarina. Can they just get some advertisers so I don't watch the right. same four clips over and over and over again? It's not even just him. It's like, here's this great thing that happened a week and a half ago. Like, eh, show me Randy again. Do you know how many times I've seen Jim Tomey's 500th home run while he's with the White Sox? <laughs> it's not even like that big of a moment in baseball history. And he was on the White Sox. He that hit 600. Right. It just feels wrong. I don't. It's stupid. Come on, MLB TV. Sell some advertising. You're right. I'll watch a commercial instead.